Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got our usual news of numbers and delays. So let's start with numbers. Alright, for numbers we are going to look at domestic first with Tenant coming in at first place again with 3.4 million for a domestic total of 41.2 million. The New Mutants stay in second place with 1.1 million. For a total of 19.4 million. Unhinged is in third with 1 million for a total of 17.1 million. In fourth place is the BTS documentary Break the Silence, opening with 980,000. I should note that it is pretty strong per theater ratio, as I was only playing in 515 theaters, while Tenant, for example, was in 2,800 theaters. Finally, in fifth place is The Empire Strikes Back with $908,000. Clearly for the domestic market, it's tapped out as where states are open, people are done coming to theaters. Yes, it was assumed movies would not make as much as before, but would still do decently with long legs. Well, I don't know about you, but I would not call $3.4 million in a weekend strong legs. Also important to point out, Tenant has been out for about three weeks now, is still not past 50 million domestic. Even if New York and LA open in the next two to three weeks, it may hit 60 million domestic, which is still terrible. We will go into Disney delaying most of their movies again in a few minutes, but at this point, it might make sense for theaters to close up again. Most Americans have nothing to watch, and clearly they feel they feel due ten doesn't deserve a rewatch, or they just don't think it's a good movie. This is an issue New York and LA will have as well until November. You open up for Tenant. And then what else is there to watch? If I was a theater in these markets, I'd wait till December, January, where there should be a more steady release of movies. Worldwide, Tenant is at 283 million, so it's on its way still to 300 million at least. Now let's go to the next news, which is more film delays, this time from Disney, and they are moving just about everything. Really. Death on the Nile, which was set to come out in a few weeks, now becomes a December movie, set for December 18th. The first movie in Phase 4 for Marvel Studios, Black Widow, now moves from November all the way to May of next year, and will now premiere one year after its original release date. This, of course, moves back all the other Marvel movies, so Eternals, which was set for next February, now comes out next November. Shang-Chi moves ahead of it, now coming out next July, and only received a delay of two months. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story gets pushed back an entire year, and will now come out December 2021. With all of these delays, some did get a push-up. A horror movie called The Empty Man, which was going to come out in December, comes out October 23rd, so I guess theaters will get a horror movie for Halloween. Also, The King's Man moves up two weeks, so it'll come out earlier in February 2021. As for Soul, that is keeping its Thanksgiving release date, which should be good news for theater owners, as that was rumored to go to Disney+. Plus. I'm not a fan of these changes, uh, at least right now. I'm on the side of theaters, and I feel they're getting pushed around by the studios. But for Disney, though, you know, if, it, if I look at it from their point of view, it makes sense. Black Widow is a clear 700 million plus worldwide movie, and seeing Tenant just getting to 300, maybe 350 million, it doesn't look good. And don't get me wrong, Word of mouth did not help Tenant, and if Black Widow was released now, it would probably hit four to five hundred million, no problem. But looking at that scenario, the Fed has at least two hundred million gone. So if Disney can stay afloat until next summer, which they can, you might as well just hold everything back. Now let's stop talking about delays because new movies are still being developed in Hollywood, and we have two of those to talk about. First is from Sega with a live-action Yakuza movie now in development. There's not much else here besides the announcement itself, except that Twelve Twelve Entertainment and wild cheap content will be produced in the movie, that they are looking for people to write the script. 
so it's going to be a while. As for the idea itself, I've only played Yakuza 0, and enjoyed it, and compared, say, to Sonic, this on paper should be easier to make because it's just live-action humans in Japan. The issue is they need the script and the characters to be perfect. What people enjoy about the game is the characters and the story, how it can be serious at times, but then have outrageous and funny moments that you can't help but enjoy in the next. Like if they turn this into a complete crime drama with no funny moments and just use the name of the characters, they lose what made the series special. We'll see how this goes. Another movie that is starting to be developed is another movie starring Ryan Gosling. It is a drama movie about a stuntman and it is being developed by David Lettich. This is a bit personal for him as he was a stuntman that turned into a director. Uh, his last movie was Hobbs and Shaw. Deadline is reporting that overall this is a package deal uh, up for auction and Universal won it. Drew Pierce, who wrote the script for Hobbs and Shaw, will also be writing the script for this movie. No set date on when this will be filming. For Lettich, uh, he is working on pre-production for Bullet Train for Sony. And for Gosling, he has two movies signed on to. The Wolfman, also for Universal. And The Gray Man for Netflix. I'm interested in how this will turn out. I wasn't a big fan of Hobbs and Shaw. But I'm hoping to Lettich make it a drama. And I love Ryan Gosling as an actor. So hopefully it'll be good. Alright, on the VOD, Premium Warner Media is expanding their DC shows for HBO Max with the announcement of Peacekeeper. That is one of the characters from the upcoming movie, The Suicide Squad, with John Cena portraying the character. The series right now has an eight-episode season with John Cena reprising his role, and James Gunn writing the script for the entire season, as well as directing a few of the episodes. No release date yet, obviously, but I'd assume 2022-23, depending on how he works this around Guardians 3. Overall, I think this is great as it entices people who like the movies to watch more content with some of those characters. Now, this is assuming the Suicide Squad is good and John Cena plays the role well, both of which I think will happen. And the fact that James Gunn has written the scripts for the entire season makes me believe this would be good. This is why I also think the Gotham PD show connected to Matt Reeves' Batman movie could also work well to get people into the service, depending on who shows up for, from the movie. Roku and Comcast slash Universal have now finally agreed to terms that allow Peacock to be on a streaming service platform. No details on what was finally agreed upon uh, were released, but Peacock is now available if you're listening to this. This ends one of the two public views between streaming services and Roku, as we now wait and see what AT&T and Warner Media will try to negotiate to get HBO Max on the platform. Now on paper, HBO Max numbers are not great, so you would think that they would fold first. But again, their main issue is turning regular subscribers into HBO Max users. They need around 28 million, I think, uh, that haven't used it yet. If they can fix that, they would not need Roku as much, even though being on the platform would be good for them. For Comcast, I feel they needed this more because Peacock has a free tier, so at this point, they just need to be everywhere they can to get everyone to sign up and try the free tier, then make their numbers look good and try to upsell them later to a paid tier. The follow-up from last week's episode is come out that Showtime will not become part of Paramount Plus due to it being able to stand on its own, and the numbers Viacom CBS release seem to support that. Showtime by itself has 27 million subscribers, and they have gotten more customers in the first six months of 2020 than they did in the last two and a half years. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about this. The numbers are strong, no doubt, but it's clearly a pandemic bump, and also I feel if you want the full effort behind Paramount Plus, you need Showtime content. Look at it this way, if I had to sign up to one, it would be Showtime, not Paramount. So unless they're going to offer a bundle deal that is different from the one they have now on Apple TV+, Plus, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow for customers to spend around $20 per month for two more subscriptions. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Question for the episode is, what do you think of Showtime being a separate service? Do you think Paramount Plus will do well without it, or are Viacom CBS making a mistake? Let me know on Facebook, link to the pages in the show notes. Thank you for listening. 
See you next time. <laughs>